The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada on this Saturday evening, March the 12th, 2022. You can contact us online on the web, animeroundtable.com, Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable, and email us, animeroundtable at gmail.com. Good evening from Toronto. We got a full table tonight. Mike Nicholas, James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohammed Shamarki, and Jeff Gregg with you. Mo and Jeff are back after a week off. How was the week off, gentlemen? I, I guess I found that Batman everyone was talking about. <laughs> I, I was going to say, isn't the Batman joining us? I thought that was the other person we kept talking about. Keep on dreaming. Yeah, well, that would be the interview of a of a century for us. Well, it depends. Okay. Which one would you want? <laughs> it's like, well, what if it was Val Kilmer or uh, George Clooney? Who was the best Batman? Val what, Kilmer. What was he? You said it. Val you know it was Val Kilmer? Yeah, it was yeah. Val Kilmer. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Ben Affleck Batman at one point? I can't remember. Well, yeah, yeah, in two movies that didn't, well, didn't directly star him. He was just in those Justice League-esque movies. I would, and I would. I would go. Christian Bale. I would go. Kevin Conroy or Diedrich Bader. Baker. Bader. Bader. Yes, I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> hmm. I thought Christian Bale did okay in the role. The one that voiced the Batman from Batman Beyond. Oh yeah. Okay. He did have Michael Keaton as well, and uh, Adam well, West. Okay. Uh, rest his soul. Now, this is maybe before some people's time. Michael Keaton in the role at the time in the late 80s raised a lot of eyebrows. He, at that point, was more known as a comedic actor. And there were I, a lot of roles for that when you remember that, because him and Danny DeVito and even Arnold Schwarzenegger, they worked together, remember? Oh, yeah, well, they... Well, they in comedies, of course, in that. Yeah. In comedies and what have you. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger would play Batman villains at one point or another as well. Yeah, Batman Returns for Penguin for Danny DeVito and then uh, Mr. Freeze for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and uh, rather, a rather forgettable one with uh, George Clooney in the, in the main role. Yeah, that would be the fourth Batman movie, I guess, if you're counting. Well, uh, yeah, the fourth era, movie, I don't know. <laughs> in, that, in that era. And it was the last one of that era, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, before the reboot with Bale, and then I guess this one would be a reboot for the Batman. So how uh, was the reboot in the recharge for uh, Batman, do you think, guys? Jeff went to see it earlier today, we know that. Yep. Quick impressions? 
I don't Any know. quick impressions? I liked it. Um, so I, I don't think that um, Warner Brothers would ever approve a Batman movie that like would really excite me uh, because they're afraid of all... I mean, okay, so with this one, it is more of a detective movie. I think it's the first live-action Batman movie where Batman's actually been a detective. So I really like that aspect. But um, Warner Brothers is never going to do a live action movie with any of like the supernatural or kind of gimmicky um, villains like Joker and Riddler are probably the most quirky we're going to get. Um, And I want to see Clayface. I want to see Poison Ivy. I'd love to see Mad Hatter. Um, You know, I'd love to see Man Bat. And like none of these are going to happen. Like we're going to be lucky if we get Ray Shagul again. you know, it's probably going to be Joker comes back. I mean, more likely Court of Owls, which is, you know, neat aesthetically, but not really, um, you know, I guess not as creative. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, again, it was a good movie, um, I, but yeah. I will say Raja Ghoul's inclusion in the, in the last uh, era or whatever you want to call it, last timeline was pretty pretty cool. I thought the way they did that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a different look at his character compared to what we saw him in the cartoon and the comics and stuff like that. And I remember from the cartoon how he would always call Batman the detective, remember, Jeff, and stuff like that? So I think about that. And that aspect is nice to kind of see that aspect come from Batman, right? Because they always do it for the movies, like more action-packed, right? I guess to get people in the seats. And and with, you know, the Dark Knight, like, everyone loved that so much. And it was like the, you know, com- fairly, not completely, but fairly grounded take. Um, and even if you look at Batman Begins, um, you know, how they did um, Raisha Rashad Ghul um, was a more grounded take. Like, I think, you know, they don't, didn't even really address, like, the immortality angle, which is the core of that character, aside from wanting to wipe out a third of the Earth. Um, so like you know I'm 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 excited to see what they do with this next one but um you know I I'll probably have to stick with um animated projects or or comics for the type of stories that I'm I'm wanting the most. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not at all. I wonder if they'll ever do anything uh anime-wise because remember they did just like uh the Matrix, and then, of course, recently, uh, Star Wars, they did a Batman uh, kind of um, shorts, right, with different Japanese creators, and that was kind of interesting and stuff like that. And the different comics we've seen from Japan that have come out over the last 20 years and translated into English, they're interesting takes, too, though. Yeah, and there's been, there's been Batman Ninja. Um, there's a new Batman um, like animated series coming out. Um, there was, there is a, a manga in Japan where, uh, Joker is taking care of baby Batman, like some, some device goes off or something and Batman gets turned into a baby and Joker has to like raise him like a real baby. Um, so, you know, w- what's great about Batman is that it's, you know, he can be such a diverse character. Um, Batman Brave and the Bold, which is a series that I love, it aired the same year The Dark Knight came out, which I think was such a, perf- a perfect like dichotomy between the two. Because Brave and the Bold, it was you know focused on Batman teaming up with other you know characters from uh, the universe 
And, you know, Batman was far more serious in personality than the 66 uh, television show, but, you know, it was still kind of campy and lighthearted. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Mo, did you want to give a thought? Sorry. Oh, I was just, just going to say, I mean, I, I'd rather have uh, Court of Owls than uh, Rachel Ghoul again. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like ninjas. Who doesn't like ninjas? Ninjas are awesome. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, I think we've seen that one too many times. If anything, I, I think if they were to do a sequel to this to this movie, because honestly, when I was watching this, I kept thinking like, yo, are they just going to end this properly and be like, you guys get one of these. That's it. No more. I mean, that, would, <laughs> that, that would be cool, man. But you know how Warner Brothers and people are about money and whatnot. But if they do make a sequel, I mean, Hush would be pretty good. You know, that'd be a pretty cool storyline. Tie that in pretty nicely. So how did oh, yeah. uh, Robert oh. Patterson do then, since he is the new Batman? Uh, you know, he's, he's up there, man. Like, like top three, top three Batmans. Okay, so who is your top three? I who mean, is your top I three? I mean, yo, I mean, Christian Bale is pretty good. I, I think Robert's probably number two. Ben's probably three. Yeah. I mean, you know. Who's number two? Who's number two? Oh, Robert. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, I like that. I don't know. I don't know about you, yeah, Jeff, but, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. I saw it a couple of times. Those three hours felt like two and a half hours. You know, it was really, <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I was warned a lot about the length and I don't, I think that the movie, the movie is clearly long, but I also, I also think that it's well paced. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always good to hear, right? Because we always hear about the Marvel Universe and the length they've gone to now, right? <laughs> and bathroom breaks. Did they have a bathroom ba- break uh, spoiler to tell you when to go or something for this movie, too? No. <laughs> oh, hope you went before. Okay, where does Will Arnett sit in all of this? Well, come on, Lego Batman, come on. No, that's different. I mean, honestly, I, I don't put the voice uh, performances on the same tier as the uh, live action performances because it's not fair. I mean, yeah, they're they, too good. Exactly. Yeah, they, that's, that's <laughs> like, we're talking voices going anime and stuff like that. It's tough to beat the original and stuff like that. But maybe that's because I was so young and there were so many episodes. Of yeah, that was, that, the, the original the animated Batman series. animated series, right? That was pretty good, too. Like, I think that my, my top three are Kevin Conroy, Diedrich Bader, who was in Braves and the Bold, as well as Harley Quinn, and then Bruce Greenwood, which is Young Justice, and I think some of the um, DC made-for-DVD movies. And that um, sounds to line up with a lot of people, I think, I would say. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, like, down, if I, if I go into, if I convince myself to look at live action... Um, I think maybe um, I want to quote um, uh, one of my favorite uh, podcasts, The Weekly Planet, and call the uh, new actor Robat Battenbat. Um, hey, his name. Mr. Sh- Mr. Sunday Movies. Yeah. 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 Um, I think he, for me, I think he might be up there because I really like, I don't care that much about Bruce Wayne and neither does this Batman. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's up there. Um, I'm I'm curious about Michael Keaton in Batgirl and The Flash. The Flash was recently delayed. Um, so maybe Michael Keaton there. And then I just don't care about the other. I mean, Adam West. <laughs> Adam West, sure, he's, he's fun. Um, I just don't care about the other live action from like Forever and Batman and Robin or whatever the movies are. Like they didn't leave an impression on me. 
Well, they, they, well in the um, first timeline that Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, it just it just kept going downhill, really, from that point. And the other Batman, one- Batman uh, was it Batman and Robin was. Anyway, I was thinking about the DC universe there for a minute, Mike. And it's funny when we think about that with the movies and live actions, you think about Superman, then it was Batman. They had some good ones. And now it's like you think just Batman, like they haven't been able to expand like uh, Marvel did with all their different uh, characters to create an actual cinematic universe, which is kind of interesting because they have the characters. And I think Batman was good in those movies. They just weren't good movies. Like, I think mm-hmm. Batman was maybe one of the best parts of Batman v Superman. And I didn't see the extended HBO Max, but the at least the theatrical Justice League. I, I think Batman and Bruce Wayne, I think, did did well in that one. I was about to say, yeah. And animated-wise. Uh, what I read is the, the Batman is going to be its own self-contained universe. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, and until, okay, until it's not, yeah. until it's not. but it's that, it's that, that sounds like a bit of a bummer to me. I mean, it, it's still doing gangbusters. So don't get me wrong on that. I mean, it's just, it, it goes into my complaint about they're never going to do poison Ivy because they, and you know, no disrespect to, um, you know, Reeves, the director here, but I think a lot of these directors take on Batman because it's their opportunity to do something superhero, but not really that superhero. Um, you think that's where this is gone? Yeah, they don't have to worry about integrating Superman or the Flash or Green Lantern or anything. It's like, you know, there's just this one guy who has some money and, and talent and, and technology. We don't have to worry about the supernatural. Um, and the second you say, okay, um, you know, Pattinson's going to be in a Justice League movie that now they have to go, oh, well, I guess we have to think about that for our next movie. And they don't want to do it. Jason Almy. We mentioned Jason Almy last episode because of his uh, Kimigori Orange Road podcast that he does. There was a line in one of his episodes, I think it was episode 32, when he talked at length about episode 32, which was uh, the two Kioskis. And this is just what just came to mind as you said this. He talked a little bit about having two Kioskis interact with each other. And then he went on this little rant about, well, how does this affect the space-time continuum, all these physics, plot devices, etc.? And he just said, sometimes you just have to park your brain at the door and just enjoy the plot at that moment for what it is. And that's what a lot of movies are. They're a thing to get in, eat some popcorn, park your brain at the door and just enjoy what you have, right? And sometimes I guess maybe they overthink it. Like it's enjoyable when we watched the cartoons and stuff like that through the 90s and early 2000s, how they blended them together from Batman, uh, the animation, stuff like that, to the Superman animation, to the Justice League and stuff like that. And sure, it probably went a bit downhill, maybe on storytelling, because some of the storytelling in the original Batman, the animation, they did some stuff that they got around uh, the censorship and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, we can't have guns, so we're going to have Tommy guns. 
and stuff like that, and ridiculous <laughs> things that they would have in there in different storytelling that you wouldn't so. see before. And other ones picked up on that, like Gargoyles had great storytelling that was aimed like at children like myself and stuff like that that were older but also younger and had some good uh, storytelling and morals and ideas in there that weren't always there, right, in the earlier, like the 80s and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, we're just going to sell the toys, right? Well, they were probably selling toys anyway, but. Mm -hmm. But uh, here's the other part. And having said all of this, maybe you do hope for that, that like, let's not take the pivot out of the equation because, you know, sometimes business is business too. Spider-Man found itself in the position to break away from the rest of the larger Marvel universe and Spider-Man no way home by all accounts. At least you got a hint as to, they were prepared to do the pivot. If they had to. Yes or no you know, on that. I, I was going to say this. Did you guys hear about the leak for Spider-Man? N- I have no. not. So would you like to expand it was on this? It supposed to come out in a couple of weeks. Uh, but then it just so happened to be mysteriously leaked this week when the Batman dropped. It started doing good. I'm, I'm feeling like Disney's being a little petty. You know, getting that negative press and whatnot. And the Warner Brothers, you know, maybe winning one. And they're like, nah, 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 nah. We're going to drop that Spider-Man, you guys. <laughs> Secret leak release. Oh, that. Oh, something like that. So okay. How much of that is Disney since we know Sony's always in the equation since Marvel gave them the rights in that? It's like, I'm still unsure on that point. I mean, you know, can you imagine if, if it was a Sony leak again? So wait, what, what happened in regards to Spider-Man? What was leaked? Oh, the full movie. It, it's out. It, it wasn't it's on, it it's on... out months ago? No, no. So, so there was supposed to be like a DVD release or a Blu-ray oh, release okay. uh, in like a couple of weeks, end of the month or something. But it got leaked early, and um, yeah, now it's out there. Okay, I mean, everyone's already it's seen out it out there though. on the Seven Seas, is what you're saying, uh, Mo? Exactly on those. What else would it mean? Magical seas. Wow. <laughs> but as I said, you just got that sense. So it's out on what? Uh, uh, legally on what? Streaming services or or? Never mind. We're just saying they just let it out. It's supposed to be out legally on physical devices April 12th, but, you know, it, it got out. Conveniently, it's out. Exactly. Exactly. Conveniently. Exactly. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more Disney a bit later on, I guess, and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, and I guess... um, Were we going to catch up with them there, Mike, to see how they well, thought about the other episodes? Well, here, well let's start the catch up. Um, first of all... Thank goodness we don't have money riding on this, but for reference, Mo, how many times did you see the Batman? Uh, you know, not as many times as you know you and uh, James thought I would. I was one <laughs> off. You said I, three, right? I I, I I will say this. I appreciate you guys, you know. <laughs> I didn't realize the movie was that long, Mo. I thought it was just around three hours. <laughs> you have more power in you, so that's why I said four. I'm just, I'm only human, guys. Come on. All right. Well, Kevin, would you like to gloat for a second? Because you guessed correctly. No, not really. No? I just got it right. That's all. How humble. Okay. How humble of you. And Jeff was a smart human being, right? And he just watched it once, right? Yep. I 
pretty much always watch movies once. I'm not. I'm not a big. I'm not a big movie rewatching person. Like I can count the number of movies that I've seen multiple times in the theaters, probably on one hand. Like in the theaters. Okay, I get it. I get well, it. even in even here, yeah. Theaters. I don't. I don't often do a, a rewatch um, on home media. But I saw the the first, um, or not the the two thousand nine Star Trek uh, twice in theaters, maybe three times actually. Um, I saw the Muppets, the new the newish one, uh, twice, um, and I'm sure there was a, a a one a little bit more recent. But like, I'm not someone who wants to see a movie multiple times in theaters, especially. Okay, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, I'm also that type too. Um... I think other than uh, Battle Angel Alita and Dune, like I almost never watch like that was probably the first. Those were the first two instances of me going to see a movie like twice in a short succession. You know, there may have been the odd time where I've gone to see a Ghibli movie a second time in theaters, but that would have been like years later because I went with someone perhaps, but Otherwise, I would say the same, uh, the same time Ghibli. frame and stuff like that. But I think Ghibli. usually you'd go with uh, different people, right? Like sometimes in that case, I feel if you're seeing it multiple times, sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a, it's like a, it's like a, um, uh, like, a, like a common event type situation, right? If the movie's big enough that everyone knows about it, everyone wants to see it, you know, might as well watch it a couple of times, especially if it's good, right? Yeah, yeah, I different seeing- friends, right? I've I've seen like Black Panther a whole bunch of times. Most of the it's usually Marvel shit that I watch like a whole bunch. Star Wars shit, you know, uh, you know whatever's popular. But movies are nice. I don't know. You guys make movies seem like they're not nice. Movies are awesome. <laughs> well, I guess the one thing now is we talked about it is the length because it feels like movies have gotten longer and longer and more expensive to watch, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and in some ways, yes, and you're trying to keep eyeballs in the seats, but. Let's be careful here too, because if we keep going on all this, um, this podcast will go longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and, and so, what did we up. talk about the past few weeks, uh, oh. Mike, with me, you, oh. and Kevin? Can we? Can we? Uh, can I go? Can I make at least one? Still, and having said all this, I'm about to break that rule. Can, <laughs> can go ahead. One last your thing, show, Mike. One you can do whatever thing. you want. Uh, collectively. <laughs> Okay, since uh, let's start pivoting on the anime part, just to, uh, to start to get there and segue in there. I heard about a VTuber. I heard about a VTuber doing an in- a Batman interview. James? Yeah, no, I heard about that too. That was... Uh, link, and I read a couple, uh, just skimmed through some of the highlights, but did you watch it? No, I didn't. I and, think it and, was actually more japan based and it was for the japanese audience so i'm guessing we would have to do auto translate on youtube and when we use that link but it was um laplace uh, darkness is uh, the name and uh, actually they i love how the plus is an actual plus sign but yeah laplace darkness and it was a seven minute interview and i'm guessing their agency whichever one they're tied to like uh hollow or one of those other ones arrange this and it's kind of like you see robert patterson and then uh, of course uh, zoe uh oh what's her name Matt? kravitz kravitz who played catwoman basically uh 
being interviewed by her, and they're just kind of just as fascinated and amused with this view to her because it's kind of like a demon with horns coming out of her head and then a crow on her head. And it's like they're kind of bemused with this crow being on the head. And then Patterson supposedly talking quite a bit about having to go to the washroom wearing the Batman suit and inviting the Japanese viewers supposedly to watch carefully to see if they can notice when he's trying to hold in his uh, urine. <laughs> and I'm not sure if you guys tried that while you were watching. Mo, you probably could have tried <laughs> three times to see the movie. Oh. Well done. This is what entertainment has become, gentlemen, especially uh, in Japan and coming over to us bringing uh, real idols is, into virtual idols. These are the type of these are the type of questions you'd see on like a Super Bowl media day. Uh, it sounds like the only thing missing the only question that was missing for Robert Patterson was boxers or briefs. I guess the only thing they could have said uh, it probably was more Batman focuses is I guess talk about Twilight. <laughs> Oh jeez, that that could that, that could is one uh, spot in uh, Harry Potter, of course. Oh okay, but remember, he's done a lot of other diverse roles and stuff like that. So it's like you kind of feel bad when he gets typecast in that. So because mm -hmm. he's so, done mate, interesting roles outside. Hmm. Okay, just uh, and as I transition away, uh, yes or no? Since since we just brought up Zoe Kravitz, are we going to see? a DC universe moment of any sort where Zoe will share the screen with her stepfather. And you know who her stepfather is, right? Aquaman. Yeah, definitely. We all know that. Yes or no. Do you think it could happen? I mean, it's one of those things. Like I think we mentioned earlier where it's like, it's not meant to, who knows, man, it's DC, but you know, tomorrow they might decide to do it. And then a week after, they might decide not to do it. It's wouldn't that be a moment though? It would be nice. Yeah, yeah. It would be a. It would be an interesting moment. I'm not going to say funny or dramatic. It's just, it would certainly grab my attention. I, I fully admit it would grab my attention. I don't know how many other people it would grab though. Maybe it's just me. Okay, now let's start to transition over, and ask. Since you missed last week. Mo, Jeff, you have a thought to share if you've listened to the episodes already. About the Sony verse, is that what we're talking about? It's about anything, yeah. <laughs> well, we can let, we can follow up on the Sony verse, sure. So Sony, uh, Sony, are finally acting like they rule the world. I mean, on on that topic, not really. Um... Yeah, I see. I'm trying to remember the rest of the topics now too. But uh, I mean, go ahead. I, I will say for me personally, I do feel a little bad for the customer service that at either Funimation and Crunchyroll, especially at this uh, tremendous time of uh, upheaval and, uh, you know, synergy. Well, there's, <laughs> there's more to come. Like, I know Anime News Network, they put out uh, an interview they did with uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation, uh, I guess, questions they put to their representatives and a lot of them felt stock and things we had talked about before, but some things feel like the penny may drop and people have noticed that uh, they had the second drop of episodes um, or series from Funimation to Crunchyroll uh, 
this Tuesday, so it seems like every Tuesday they're going to bring more shows over, and more of them are from the more recent batch, so I'd say about 10 years, with only maybe one or two from those early aughts and stuff like that, and those type of series that weren't on Crunchyroll. But the interesting thing to note from the series we've seen is, remember I said about home video and stuff like that, and we're already seeing kind of a something to worry about in that Anything that was before they started doing simuldub is home video and stuff like that for their English and Japanese versions. But after simuldub, their more recent ones, it seems like the home video version isn't being used. Because some of the ones where we might have seen, um, I guess, I don't want to use the word censorship, but I'd say maybe there's cuts. less certain cuts or how the home video version, right? How they'll tweak it, right? For the Japanese. We're not seeing those making it in, so we know it's the broadcast version. And they've mentioned like a few of them. I think one of them was like Azerling, uh, Gleimpner, uh, in another world uh, with my smartphone. That's another one that had uh, broadcast version. So it sounds like that's going to happen. But that makes you wonder, since one of the things they said is, remember when you buy the home... Uh, video versions and that they have that digital version and they said we're going to take those later on so probably in another year and bring them from Funimation to Crunchyroll are those going to be the actual home video versions because if they aren't going forward they're going to have a problem because all their other competitors like Sentai and stuff like that and when uh, Discotech brings their stuff over to uh, Crunchyroll and other services it's always the home video version when they have it available and stuff like that. But if Crunchyroll's still going to act like they were, it's like, what's the whole point? Because the Japanese are still going to be doing the same thing where you have broadcast version and then they want to bring people to buy the home video. So they're going to touch things up, right? And you want the best version. But it'll be interesting to see, are they going to bring proper home video versions to Crunchyroll like Funimation used to and like some of their competitors and stuff like that do or if it's like these guys are small nothing burgers and we don't have to compete so we're just going to do what we've always done and they were talking about I think on translation and other things where they may just do Crunchyroll's best practices which some people are like I don't know about that you keep up with this well the translation rates remember like Crunchyroll has still been doing lower rates than everyone else. And it seems like on Twitter and a few other places, some people that were doing translation for uh, Funimation, where they were doing higher rates, were told for the more recent series, they said, we're going to go somewhere else. So that makes us, it seem like MX Media, which is a part of Crunchyroll now, is where most of those translation uh, gigs are going to go to. But they may not, raise those rates as high as they probably should like it seems like with the consolidation and with letting people go it really makes you wonder who are they going to be letting go like we may suffer as consumers and some people may not even realize it right and other people they need to make a real wage you know what i mean it's always a money thing in some form whether it's to save a buck to be able to make more I think it's, well, as we that, said, um, there's, there's that, there's that cliche penny saved is a penny earned. I guess too, it's right? the, yeah, I was thinking 
that in another way where we see it as one way as fans, right? And then the people running the show see it a different way. And remember, the people running the show are not in uh, Texas, where Funimation used to be, or in San Francisco, where Crunchyroll was. Well, they're still going to be there, but the shots are going to be coming out of uh, Culver City, which is Sony. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But there's going to be a lot of bumps around along the way, as they say, right? And sooner or later, uh, it's probably only going to be streaming, right? Because at some point, I don't think it's going to be soon, but I feel at some point they're going to stop releasing physical media for a lot of the series because they're going to say, okay, we're going to do the big stuff like Attack on Titan and, and so on and so forth. But those smaller series, those maybe B and below series or maybe even the A minus series, they may just say, no, we're just going to stream them. And maybe we'll do a simul dub for you, and that's about it. I could also see like a similar, um, I guess, rollout consi- uh, compared to how limited run games works, where um, you know there are still um, physical media for most series, but it's sort of like let's see how many pre-orders we get. That's how many we're making. Any more than that, maybe they'll show up on our store during sales, but that's it. Like. Um, I could see that future as well. Um, you know, it's sort of almost like a print-on-demand kind of thing, but it would be more expensive at the same time. But yeah, you have I, guess, I guess that would is- have to be someone else, right? Because I just don't feel a bigger corporation like Sony, even though they have Crunchyroll Store, which is probably going to take over Funimation's uh, shop, that they would have the initiative to do that, even though that sounds like a great idea, right? Oh. But maybe I, it's like I'm too negative on that. I'm just. Well, as I said, penny saved, penny earned. I mean, we're, we're talking about all these consolidations and contracting out. And, and that's know. the other thing, too, is like the pandemic has offered opportunities because Funimation hasn't just used in-house for their dubs and stuff like that. They've went to um, other uh, places in California, other places in Texas. They've got actors from different places because they've done remote. Uh, dubbing and stuff like that so hopefully that still continues but it'll be interesting how that works out and stuff like that since Crunchyroll of course work with Bang Zoom, Studioopolis and uh, many others in California so but there's so much content that they have to dub right so that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out on that end too right well I, I was just beginning to think also and it's not totally related, but in many respects, you can go along the same lines. We talked about the uh, we talked about Activision Blizzard selling to Microsoft, and then Microsoft essentially deciding what to do with their esports contracted out their esports leagues. And we're starting to learn a little bit more about the growing pains that Overwatch League is going through presently. And we're starting to hear, okay. It, the contract out has already happened. I forgot who the the group that uh, that's now going to run Overwatch League on behalf of Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard, or whatever you want to call them now, or will be called. And you're starting to hear stories about casters, popular casters who have a, who've basically been ghosted by the current management of the Overwatch League. They haven't been informed whether or not they will return for the next season, which will begin in May. And like nothing, they have they've given app they've been given absolutely no indication. And these are popular 
popular casters, Bren, Sideshow, Vicky Kitty, they've all been on the record of staying. Little has been said. Well, Bren and Sideshow came out a month ago saying they, they don't expect to be back. And Vicky wow. Kitty this week said, and Vicky Kitty broke the broke the barrier for Overwatch League, at least on the top tier. Because she's been doing it, she's been doing it in the minor league contenders for some years already. But she broke it, she broke the um the gender barrier for um cat for casters in Overwatch League becoming the first female caster there. And she she has no indication. She says she's gotten heard nothing from the current management of the Overwatch League as to whether or not she'll be returning. So she's working under the assumption she isn't now. And that's kind of crazy because we keep on hearing about how esports was growing and all that stuff. And it looks like they've hit a hump. And it'll be interesting to see how yeah, they got over it and how they continue on or maybe grow it even bigger with that wider audience. And you know what I was thinking of, Mike, there for a moment this week was Tiger Woods. He was inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame this week and about how all the players were very thankful for him because they were showing the Players' Championship, how much money is in the pot today, this weekend, that they're playing for compared to before he started playing. And the person who wins this weekend at the Players' Championship will earn, I think, 3.5 million U.S. or 3.6 million U.S. And that was the total purse, like in 96 or something like that, before Tiger even was on the tour and how the tour kind of blew up and golf turned into this like from a game to a sport, a competitive sport, as some people said, because Tiger changed perceptions and how esports is going to find that drive to go to the next level, right? And it's hard too because some of them are team based. So, how do you make those personalities gel, I guess, with the public? And you said some of that was that they put the interface and that that kind of looked like something you were watching on a sports channel, right? Like ESPN. Mm hmm. So, there, but now there's another pivot about to happen, and I guess we'll just wait and see what that pivot ends up looking like. So, anyway, but there's a whole load of thoughts, changes all around, and they're bumpy. I still have not watched anything, just for reference. This uh, week. I've been actually watching yeah. some dubs, I can tell you, Mike. I was watching the Odd Taxi dub. And that one was a show I talked to you guys about before. And it's funny because it was word of mouth series and now everyone's talked about it. And it was enough that they finally got a dub and it was kind of like the old school. Like, remember, we didn't get to watch the dub till a year or a year and a half later when the whole media came and stuff like that. Because I think everyone's kind of spoiled these days because it's crazy how fast those dubs are coming out. It's like they're speed running them almost sometimes, I feel. <laughs> yeah, sort of. I don't know what uh, what to add because I, I I just have not been able to make an observation myself from that standpoint. So, I guess we'll just uh, keep uh, moving along here. Jeff, Mo, any other reactions to the past uh, past week's episodes, or do I just throw something else out there? Yeah, whatever topic I think uh, works for you. Okay, well, anime North. Let's go there for a couple seconds because <laughs> we did talk at length about anime North and James loves joking. You know, every time we talk about anime North, maybe we put our uh, official status on the line every time we talk about it. Cause it's not 
Yeah, dude, I was going to say, man, like, I was, I was listening to that episode, I'm like, man, you guys got to chill out, man. You know, they could just, like, well, <laughs> can, I, can, I, uh, can I quote, can I quote John Oliver for a second? No, can I did you. Mr. <laughs> Oliver say, uh, Mike. Yeah, well, he, he said uh, about a month ago, just before the season premiere of Last Week Tonight, he talked about lampooning his bosses, whether it be AT&T or Discover Media, which will take over. Yeah, now he's going to talk about Discovery, isn't he? Because AT&T and yeah. Comcast, he oh. went after uh, No Holds Bar, right? <laughs> yeah, because he just uh, simply said, there's no hand more tasty than the one that feeds you. <laughs> which I thought was a pretty, pretty apt comment. Yeah, and I guess okay. they were talking well, about... Registrations this week too, weren't they? About uh, the yeah, artist that play and yeah. other things. So I'm not sure how those went, but usually they go fast too. So yeah, what where I was going was the next batch of registrations will happen uh, on, beginning next Sunday, March 20th, specifically and race yourself for this one because uh, because history will always say the sign-up for the comic market is pretty intense. Well, there's so, a few of them, right? So there's the comic market, which I believe is the artist alley, and then there's the crafter's corner as well, right? And then there might yeah, have been actually, one others as well. Yeah. Um, updates available for comic market pro plaza, vendors hall, and crafter's corner. Pro um, Comic market applications begin on March 20th. Pro plaza waitlist applications take place, well, they started yesterday, March 11th, and will run until next Friday, March 18th. And I think and, some of them might have went from, if I'm not wrong, just like some uh, of the registrants uh, from 2020 that they would move over for a few, right? Maybe? Yeah, there's a, that's, that's what makes things interesting. I guess there'll be a little bit of rollover, too. So which one, would, which one could end up more interesting? The rush for the hotels or the rush for the comic market? Well, the hotels definitely affects more people, right? But yeah. um, I think the, the comics market situation is always a little bit more um, dynamic and, and drastic with like, you know, are there going to be multiple people represented at a table? Um, what previous existing, uh, not contracts, but, um, you know, agreements, um, are, are in place, how much uh, got rolled over from previous years, um, cost, and, you know, what are they selling? So, like, it's it's a more complex process versus the the hotels. It's just, are is the website working? And did you get it within the correct time window? Yeah, within 60 seconds. And I guess that was a question mark that is going to be asked by a few of them because they saw the hotels and I guess the links didn't quite go out like they thought and so they were going through the socials and stuff like that so hopefully it works out better for them well this will be a, yeah the, week, right? it's just in when it comes to comic market i guess it's just one it's just one spot and, I, and i'm pretty sure listeners to this podcast who i know do the comic market i'm pretty sure i'll hear a comment about that after this episode goes on the air on that note i was also talking with a friend who had been keeping up with the actual traditional boards and the forms there off the, um, off the tea house of the tea house of the maple moon, I believe it was called. 
And she told me that, yes, they, they have been talking about what will become of the Noma no Oichi. And let's just say that's not totally off the table at this point. Yeah, like I figured they might think about it, but it all depends on how everything falls into place and stuff like that, because so much can happen between now and the summer, right? So mm. we'll see how it goes, I guess. Her, her belief is space will be even more limited than it had been in past years, just to, just to keep the distance. And um, okay. At least we're lucky with uh, TCC that we can have the distance and stuff like that, because over the years they've kind of taken over all of the TCC, so you definitely have at least space to work with. And well, for some convention centers, you don't always have that, right? Since it's kind of like well, a was, hanger. Yeah, I was about to say, well, the good news is the Conservative Party Leadership Convention happens in September or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that won't be, a, that, that's not at least in the radar for July, unless something changes. <laughs> okay. So that's a uh, thought there. Kevin? Did you, uh, it looked like you want to come into this. Well, really, I, I think that with like Artist Alley, doesn't that usually just disappear within a minute as well? Like, I always feel like there's been fierce competition to get a spot for that. I think, you know, that definitely is the case. And like, something I did want to just throw in is that I think that, um, it's 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 worth to mention that we shouldn't undersell the importance of the comics market slash um, traditionally called the artist alley, especially at Anime North. Um, if you consider all the um, illustration based artists um, out there, especially those who are either drawing in a sort of manga style or focused on manga and and you know associated fandom. Um, characters, you know, this is the biggest sort of opportunity for them in the area. Um, because if you look at something like Fan Expo, sure, there's there's lots of people, but the diverse, like the incredibly diverse interests, horror, traditional Western superhero comics, etc., probably dilutes things. And smaller Overshad things... And ultimately overshadows it, I think. Yeah, too. and smaller things like Comic-Con or, you know, Con Bravo or et cetera like that. Um, much smaller, you know, markets, essentially, if you want to call it that. Um, so Anime North is a, is a huge and wonderful opportunity to both, um, you know, sell work and, and get noticed um, on the offline space. Um, you know, at least here in the GTA. So, you know, there's, and... there's a reason why it's competitive. And yeah, and remember, we as much as I'm, we're kind of making fun of it now, or what could happen next week or in a couple of weeks. We talked. We also went at length about the importance of something like Comicet in Japan. I know this is not; they're not necessarily, you know, we, ultimately is probably apples and oranges, but we are talking culture here too. So I actually take what Jeff said, you know, very much at face value. And that, that does remind me, I think, um, thinking back to listening to your other episodes, um, the, my one sort of, um, I guess, thing that stuck, I'm glad I remembered now, um, that stuck out to me that I wanted to comment 
is that if you look at, um, you know, you talked about copyright and the different YouTubers and Comic Cat and things like that. Um, I was trying to think about, um, you know, comparable characters or archetypes for the different lawyers. And I figured, you know, Disney has something like, you know, a mafia um, or a go go 13 type of, you know, hitman who, you know, it's it's they're big, they're flashy, they're going to come at you. Um, they're you're going to, you know, either see them coming or see them going. Um, and that's like a Disney lawyer versus I think a Nintendo lawyer is more like a surgical, you know, assassin. I thought where, it was the ninjas, the Nintendo well, that, ninjas. Is their let villain. me be patient a little bit. Let's there, hear the James. rest of these metaphors. This is getting uh, interesting. <laughs> I, I'm, this is getting real yeah, interesting. I got to hear the rest of this. Out. You're jumping, jumping ahead there a little bit. Um, <laughs> so Nintendo lawyer, you know, surgical assassin. You know, you think, you know, you're, you're, if you want to say Black Widow, um, kind of thing. Um, James Bond. There might be a little bit of of flair, but generally they're going to get in, get out, uh, take down the content. Maybe you'll get a flowery uh, note saying, you know, this is not the way we do things here with Nintendo. Um, Pokemon is the ninja lawyers. Um, I don't know, like com- a combination of, and it's, and it's like a, a a triad, like it's it's a family of Shopro, Pokemon Company. Uh, they hire some guns from Nintendo every so often. Um, I'm sure, you know, individuals within that grouping of like the individual creators have individual lawyers as well. Um, but when you mess with Pokemon, it's not going to be as explosive as, as Disney. Like there's not going to be, you know, buildings destroyed. But, you know, they'll take your family um, and they'll do it quietly and they'll leave a little basket of flowers or something um but pokemon for some reason like you can't upload music you can't like you can talk about pokemon they seem happy if you do that and maybe show still images but show gameplay footage show anime footage you know they'll take it down um really fast there was a new opening with a lot of cool cameos that came out last week and I had to like search on Twitter to find it because they just, you know, automatically shut everything down on YouTube instantly. Um, they have their AI, like, you know, they not just ninja assassins, robot ninja assassins. I'm sure there's something in Metal Gear that's appropriate. Um, and <laughs> then you have the, you know, Sega lawyers who are like Phoenix Wright or something where they're like bumbling and tripping over themselves and like, well, I guess if you, uh, as long as you didn't uh, make Sonic uh, do something (laughs) illegal, then, you know, cool, whatever. Do you want a job? Come on in. Um, Except for maybe the Atlas part of Sega, right? They uh, can be feisty. Marriages can be tough. (laughs) They're, they're, I'm, I'm sure. No, I'm, like, 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 none of us, uh, like, any of us can speak from experience. So we know about the Sonic fan games are okay. Are the Yakuza fan games okay? I don't. Think are the Knights fan any, games okay? I wonder. I don't think there's enough Yakuza fan games. I think they might be a little bit more protective because it's a, a current Golden Goose. Sega doesn't care about Knights. I wish they did, but they don't. Um, you could probably make a Knights movie and Sega would be like, yeah, whatever. Well, now that you bring it up, let me. I'm just looking this up. When you say, when you. 
When you say knights, and I'm capital N, pattern. capital yeah. N, lowercase i, capital G H T S. Oh, that, well, that game. Okay, we're thinking another game, but uh, okay. I know. And, I was digging there. Yakuza, I know. And the yakuza and the yakuza thing, just for reference. Obviously, I've made it no secret that that might be one of the early streams we check out. Right, right, James. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, whenever we get around to actually doing I something guess, I guess we can't really say uh, fan game of uh, Streets of Rage because uh, Lizard Cube and Dotemu already did the fan game, which was selling it uh, with Sega's approval in Streets of Rage 4, right? So, yeah. so there's that. Okay. I don't know. That's pretty good. So short version is choose your game carefully, I guess. Or choose, or, what you yeah, want to or whatever about. fandom or, you're, what you're, you're going to, or whatever fandom you're doing. Like, I think that, um, you know, for the most part, avoid Disney. Um, be very oh, okay. That's that. That's that's a uh, that's time old advice. Yeah. Um, be very cautious about Nintendo, um, and and by association, Pokemon, and then everything else. Um, if it's mass, like mass produced, generally you're okay. But then be respectful of individual creators who don't want, um, you know, fan works created. Um, like early on, I don't know if he's changed his position, but like Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale, was very much like, you know, please, I'm doing this as a passion project. Don't make fan works um, and sell them. Like make fan works, absolutely, but don't sell them at, at cons and everything. Um, so, you know, be respectful of smaller creators and then be respectful of yourself and your livelihood when it comes to messing with someone like disney or nintendo mm. but generally nintendo's oh. not going to come down at you on, on for fan art it's more actual gameplay footage and things like that and things that actively damage their ip or if you're really trying to become popular yeah, so that'll kinda, that'll also it, trigger their their lawyer. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah, that, it was that's, funny. That's, Mike, I was, this is Suede, where Suede sits, I guess. Uh, James, no, I was thinking because remember I told you I was listening uh, to Kit and Krista's podcast. Uh, I subscribed to them I, again, and it's the funny thing of them talking about the Nintendo ninjas coming to get them. <laughs> oh man, they said sweating bullets, worrying about those ninjas coming after you. Right? I will have to. I will have to subscribe to them. But okay, they were they were interesting. Actually, they talked about the journey into the video game industry, which was kind of a funny chuckle and stuff like that. Because as we know, it kind of in the San Francisco Bay Area, they kind of congregated there at one point, almost with all those uh, websites and magazines and different things at one point, right? Hmm. Yeah. Look, I got a lot of updates to do with the website, and as noted, I'll talk a little bit more about that towards the end of the episode. Actually, we brought up uh, the House of Mouse, right, uh, Mike? So it's interesting looking at them for a quick sec because we've always talked about Disney Plus and what they think about uh, content, right, for anime and Japanese content because of Netflix. And they had an interesting announcement, right? Yeah, well, let's uh, nice segue as always, James. Master of the segue. So... so well, with that, I was about to say, you know, Se- Segway also killed its creator, right? Oh, but that's some that's another type <laughs> of Segway. Well, I was thinking anyway. So the announcement well, they had this week was well, this is the, well. Let's let's do the intro first because this is the perfect way to start 
The bullets, these are small things that can become big things. And this is an interesting thing. So go ahead, James. Well, it was Disney and Disney Plus. Now, there's a few things I think that are interesting. Disney Plus, of course, they're going to add the age gate and stuff like that. So I think more mature content, I guess, rated R and other things are probably going to come as they start competing more with Netflix, right? And obviously, they still have the family-friendly angle, but they still have Marvel and that. But they're also looking at other markets. And I think the Asia market is one they're looking at. So they've made a partnership, a global partnership with NTV, Nippon TV Holdings in Japan. And they're going to stream stuff uh, from them and do projects with them. And one of the first ones they're going to do is... Um, case files of young uh, Kandachi, which is uh, well, obviously and a long-running uh, series and stuff like that. And it definitely has been popular in other markets and that. So that'll be interesting to see that live action uh, come out through uh, Disney Plus uh, to other parts of the world. And then they said they're going to work on other uh, partnerships in the live action variety shows and uh, animation and stuff like that. So that'll be interesting to see where it goes because it's kind of like Netflix, right? Where we said we heard a few announcements and it was this slow, uh, I guess, walk. And then it felt like a gallop, right? And now look where Netflix is. So it'll be interesting to see in a few years where it goes. Well, it's interesting. We talk, we've talked in it way back in it last year about how Asian entertainment is now the new battleground for streaming services. So this is essentially how... And these are bad metaphors these days. I get it. How Disney is beginning to stockpile it in some ways, right? And longtime listeners of this podcast probably know that the name Kindachi certainly, or Kendaichi, what's the proper pronunciation? Somebody correct me here. I know I I know I probably got that wrong. See, I'm not sure which way either. And uh, it's crazy because remember, the first time I think a lot of us saw it was Tokyo, Pro Tokyo Pop brought out uh, the manga a long time ago before they closed. And then uh, it is on Crunchyroll for the newer animated series of Kendachi Case Files. So and people know that uh, it's one of my personal favorites. I ha I do have every single Tokyo Pop volume that came out. And it would with, work nicely on a live action, wouldn't it? Because it'd be saying we would well, look at it. We would look at it. And and you had me thinking about the history of the live of live action adaptations of Kindachi. And when I think about it, or just looking at the list and then looking at the the press release, as noted, Kindachi seems to be a vehicle for Johnny's associates singers. Yes or no? I mean, one member of Kinky Kids back in the 90s. Well, the most popular member of Arashi, Jun Matsumoto, starred in it. Yosuke Yamada. And in this new adaptation... Yep, some more Johnnies, right? Oh, Yeah, boy. more Johnnies. More Johnnies. I mean, I can't wait to see how it looks. Because I did watch the odd episodes of the other adaptations. Believe it or not, they were on fan sub back in the day. They were cheesy. They were campy. They were fun. Sometimes predictable. So I'll be curious to see how this one comes out. 
And, and for reference, um, Kevin, look this up. Because mm-hmm. now that I brought up that I have the manga, how much do you think it would go for? On Which the, one? On the, on the um, secondhand market. The whole, the whole Kindachi case files. That came Tokyo out from Pop. Tokyo Pop. Oh, that goes for a lot now. I have, that goes for a lot now. Yeah. Yeah, I have those. And I have... Kodansha back in the day used limited edition bilinguals as as teaching aids for students learning either Japanese or English. So I have like some bilingual Love Hina, bilingual Kindachi, and bilingual um, Oh My Goddess too. Like a couple volumes. They only they didn't they didn't finish it. It's just but it was a fascinating conversation piece. I still have those. So I may have much of the English Indachi stuff concerning You the have the full run, right? You had the uh, full from, run. From Tokyo Pop? Yeah. Everything that was done by Tokyo Pop, yeah. Everything that was done. Uh it's hard to say because I don't see any complete sets. Because they did like what, sixteen volumes or so? Uh sixteen to eighteen, I believe. Yeah, and that's still not everything, but yeah, it's still a lot, it's, right? It's not it's it's barely the tip of the iceberg. No, because it's been going on for years and years. It's, like, it's, yeah, it's at least right. Some of those go for three digits. Some some volumes go for three digits on their own. So you would fetch a good price for it if you really wanted to. Maybe, if I really wanted to, but as I said, still a personal favorite of mine, and I and I, I I'm itching to see way more of it come out. But it, it, you wonder what's the market for a manga like this these days. And I think mystery mangas don't usually do well. Yeah, that's another discussion altogether. But okay, let's go back on Disney for a second, and further to and go back to James's point about Disney Plus wanting to diversify itself into more mature content. In some respects, I'm one. Um, correct me, yes or no? Did this sort of happen already outside of the U.S.? Because they branded the they branded um, stars within Disney Plus in Canada. Yeah, but it's like and it was marketed to be you know just other types of programmings away from the traditional Disney label, and it was meant to be more mature. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I mean, sorry, I missed. Stars was more like them onboarding their Fox properties. I guess people are kind of losing their mind over the fact that they might be mature. You know, the Daredevils, the Luke Cages, and so forth are being added to Disney Plus, and that's pushing... Well, yeah, so they're essentially the uh, Marvel properties that they took out from Netflix. Exactly, exactly. And I'm just saying, well, okay, we're seeing this... We've seen this to some degree already within Disney Plus. What's the big deal? My point being. And... I know that the, I know that Disney has caught, uh, seemingly caught a lot of flack for wanting to do that, right, James? Yeah, and some of it, I guess, in the states too, is because they have Disney Plus, and I guess they're saying, "Oh, it's Disney, it's family friendly, la la di da." But then remember, they have Hulu in the states that they bought and stuff like that. So everyone's like, "Oh, you should just put it on Hulu," but then they forget Hulu. I think they still have Hulu in Japan. They have Hulu in the states. But there's not many other markets. So at some point, they're going to have to broaden Disney Plus to actually compete against Netflix. And when you have the age gate and stuff like that, you can make sure it's safe so that families can use it and make sure their kids and everyone else in the household is watching the proper content. 
and you're not just turning it on and hoping little Jimmy or Jan are going to be watching something and then it goes into something that it shouldn't, right? Little Jimmy, that's good. Well, I hate to tell you too because they have what I think they censored a few things like some of their family-friendly movies that I guess you look back on and it wasn't quite like they thought. Like I think they said Splash was one where they had uh, a little censorship there. I think a bum in there showing. They said, "Ugh, that's always funny to see that how those change, right?" Yeah, but. I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating. It's a fascinating story. And it's the first sign that I've seen well, where Disney is going after and trying to get to and sometimes make. Actually, thinking about my... Like Asian properties that aren't based on their own IPs. Okay, sorry, James. Sorry about that. There's one other piece to the puzzle, and I know... Now, Bob Eisner, remember, isn't uh, CEO and stuff like that, but their new CEO for Disney, I guess, uh, Chapek, interesting about him, and he's been talking on the horn about investor calls and all these things. And another interesting point he brought up is most of the people watching Disney Plus do not have kids. They're adults that are childless and are probably not going to have children or may not be having children for a while. So that's enough. if you keep bringing that up, that makes you wonder, okay, are we going to start doing some other content for them and stuff like that and make sure that it's gated? So say, hey, I want to watch something else on Disney that's maybe a little different. I'll go to that channel or whatever, right? Well, then the other part is then you'd be, you kind of have to go that way. Otherwise, you may end up pricing yourself or shifting yourself away from and if you're going to do these price increases you got to say well if you're doing these price increase where's the content right like where's the meat so where's the beef where's the beef right get the value because yeah netflix remember it's like they've raised it but of course we've seen all the different productions but whether we agree whether that's worth the price who knows right the market i guess will decide and they'll decide for disney too Sure, as I said, they, Netflix has got to pay for another season of Cowboy Bebop if they change their mind. So, I thought it was for Bridgerton. Uh, that too. <laughs> so, yeah, this, is, this was an interesting announcement to hear to hear about uh, Disney. So, I mean, when when it comes out, I well, I, I I'm curious. So I'm not going to lie. I'm I, I'd be curious. I mean, in the same to the same degree that maybe I'll reconsider at least taking out some time on uh, on Crave because Star Trek Picard is now ongoing. Anyway, and I'm guessing we'll see what happens with the other things like Amazon and so forth, right? Because who oh, knows? Yeah. Maybe well, Amazon getting Evangelion movies wasn't just a one-time thing, right? Maybe they'll decide to rethink their Asian content too. I'm still itching. I still wish they would put uh, put up a. Uh, the Japanese version of Bachelor on uh, North American Prime, or at least Canadian Prime. That would be a watch for me. Interesting. Just, I'm just saying. Anyway, moving on. Let's, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you go away from Disney, uh, Bob Chapek can suck a lemon. Um, that- <laughs> Freaking, like out of here! Just like out of here! That freaking jerk had the opportunity to to denounce the uh, "Don't Say Gay" bill right from the beginning. 
but he made some sort of bullshit comment about uh, donating to both sides, even though none may uh, represent the companies. It was all bullshit. I this guy has made an apology yesterday that uh, seems completely disingenuous and trying to wipe the um, high off of his face, but it is seeped into his pores and he should be seen for the clown that he is. Um, yeah, it's, it's gross. Uh, the amount of work that uh, animators and showrunners have had to do uh, in the past few years for any sort of LGBT content has been astronomical. And even now, uh, they delete most of it. Uh, we're lucky that we have as much as is on things like the Owl House. Um, I applaud uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines, which should win the Oscar, but it won't because whatever Disney put out will win. Um, they had essentially a counter thing with from their official account that said like say gay or something um which i definitely applaud i'm glad that uh this lemon face decided to apologize but so far it's nothing like apology is you know barely a step and i don't believe it um there is there is no change that i see happening um, but I, it's the corporate script too, as we uh, know from Disney, which has continued. And we also know China, they wanted to get into the Chinese market. So think about what sacrifices they'd have to make to get. Oh into no, poor Disney with its billions of dollars. They'll have to sacrifice the content to be put into another big market. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, I know, but that's uh, that's the thing that it's like, I don't know, how, like we can bring the foot to the fire, but I don't know how you change the mindset of the people at the top of Disney, right? That's the yeah, toughest I don't, part, I don't and think that's the toughest can, thing, I think. But it's an American company, like, you know, all of, and it's not, I mean, their content is important, but, you know, their employees as well um, are affected by this, and they're basically saying that, uh, you know, they don't value, um, you know, some of their employees. Um, yeah, I am very, I, I am with some of my favorite uh, animation creators here um, with Matt Braley and uh, Dana Terrace here who has, are, you know, and I'm sure Alex Hirsch as well. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing. Um, yeah, it's, it's nonsense. I hope he does better, but... I think it'll be platitudes for uh, until something distracts the public from this and then it will go away and the same sort of thing will happen again in a couple months. I hate to tell you that, Jeff, but I, I, my gut, and I've always seen it from Disney, even with Eisner to a degree, it's like I feel they value the dollar bill above all else, whether it's animation, entertainment, or even their theme parks and stuff like that, and you look at their theme parks, none of us can afford to go to those theme parks anymore to even get on most of those rides. The way they've priced that, I don't understand how anyone can get into a Disney theme park now. But see, James, you're forgetting the line must always go up. <laughs> there is Unless I, I, I slap money in your face, is that right, Mo? <laughs> I forget what it is, but there's a, there's a great video online about like the... I think it's probably defunct land 
um, talking about the history of the theme parks and the prices and the line waiting and everything. It's quite good. Um, anyways, uh, Dana Terrace, uh, at Dana Terrace on Twitter, D-A-N-A-T-E-R-R-A-C-E. I'm just going to read uh, one of their tweets here. Sunday, March 13th, 3 p.m. It's going to be too late for our listeners. Um, but uh, join our charity Drawathon. Um, all proceeds go to the Zebra Coalition, a group focused on helping LGBTQA plus youth out of t- tough situations. Zebrayouth.org. Uh, uh, even though you will be too late uh, reading or listening to this, you can still check out that organization. Uh, there's a nice poster there from Owl with Owl House characters. Uh, be gay, do witchcraft. It's a witch themed show. Uh, charity Drawathon. Uh, please support these people. I am very And as they, as they say, Jeff, I think even with certain drives ending, I'm sure they'll have other drives, or you can even donate to people uh, outside that, and the money will go to a good uh, place, right? So yeah, that's always this, important. This issue is not going anywhere. Well, on that note, and since uh, we've come to that ter- come to the uh, lgbtq ter- territory in in a almost related note i guess related megumi ogata i want to talk about her for a couple minutes uh, james i know james as always brings these things up yeah i brought that one up i'll have to go and find it again and i'm not sure if uh, jeff had taken a look at it it was in regards to the seiyu uh, awards and i guess she had given been given uh, a prize to a degree, and she made some interesting best, remarks best, in that. Best lead actress mm-hmm. at the 16th annual Seiyu Awards. And she noted she was surprised to receive the award, partly because, one, she's a veteran. She's in her 50s, I believe. And it was interesting, her words. Like, I guess we could read what she had said for uh, part of her acceptance speech, like where she said, I have never I really have- thought of myself as an actress per se she said these days we live in what's called a gender-free society and in the voice actor world there are people who have come out as lgbtq plus there are also many people like me who hardly think of themselves as a woman at all as they live their daily lives and stuff like that and she went on to say about gender free could be considered the essence of voice acting because the performers unlike live action actors don't share their faces when voicing the characters and some other comments but it was interesting to say the least well she and and we say this at the pretext uh under the context that she's voiced one of the more noteworthy male protagonists in history and I think they said she's voiced many uh, prominent she's voiced uh, male many, uh, many, voices, right? Yeah. Interesting enough. She's voiced, she's voiced many male characters. Of course, she's the voice of Shinji Ikari. That's our most probably what mo- most of us know her for. But yeah, you can you look down her list, and there's a lot of a lot of male characters in all of this. So I think she she won the award, I believe, for Shinji again. I think. Correct, for the last uh, Evangelion film, of course. And remember, Mm -hmm. she had done other things, too. uh, Unique characters like uh, Sailor Uranus, remember, for the Sailor Moon series. Yeah, and Uranus uh, was kind of a tomboy character in many respects. Yukito as well for uh, Cardcaptor Sakura. Mm -hmm. So, 
So Ogata is uh, is interesting in that sense. Those, and those were interesting words. It never, I just never thought of it that way. Like it's the first time. Okay, I, I see it. It's just it just never dawned upon me that way. So her her words were kind of eye opening to me. But uh, fascinating words nonetheless. And I just thought, you know, since uh, Jeff, you know, went on that. And it was a perfect opportunity to talk about her for a couple seconds. And she's a, she's great. I guess it was interesting to see on the Japanese side, them discussing that and stuff like that. And how we've even talked about on the dubbing side and stuff like that, how voicing characters in animation, stuff like that, you don't, you can be anyone to do that, but we're finally getting a more diverse set of people like doing voiceover and hopefully that continues to give even more voices and maybe even more diverse characters to see on screen or drawn. Right. Yeah. Like I think that there are, there are more, um, at least in the North American industry, more black voice actors um, than I, at least visibly than there has been probably ever in the history of um, at least American voice acting. Um on the Japanese side, I remember something from the last couple episodes that you um, said just relating to Japan, you know, going kicking and screaming when it comes to changes. Um, and I think it's less kicking and screaming and more of like um, a young child or a dog throwing a tantrum and they just do a, you know, dead weight flop. They just, they'll get dragged silently and with you know, protests um, in that way. Like I'd make that comparison more um, because when it comes to these changes, yeah, you'll have a few people yelling about um, that sort of thing, but it's, it's a lot, it's usually a lot more reserved and like nervous and they don't want to actually talk about it. Um, I do think that um, here with uh, Ogata and um her statements and suggestions, I think have more of a potential and it's great because it has the benefit of, um, you know, benefiting um, non-binary and gender non-conforming people um, in the voice acting industry, um, but in a way that probably won't ruffle, you know, more conservative um, people in the Japanese industry as much as other changes. Because I think, you know, Ogata's um, suggestions, they're sound and they're based on, hey, we're voice acting characters of lots of different uh, genders and backgrounds. Um, why is this labeled um, actress? And I could see that being just enough of, you know, um, uh, ambiguous space where um, whoever's in power could say, okay, yeah, let's, let's just... Uh, you know, maybe a couple more categories, um, maybe per show type or like audience space. Um, and I could see that that happening. Um, but we'll see. Regardless when, of kicking and screaming or dead weight, it's still well, slow. When you use that metaphor, when you updated my metaphor, because I, I know that's sort of my metaphor, too. I, I, I think about little kids getting the vaccine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay, so having, like, with all this, yes or no, are we better using the terms, like, 
Does does the Crunchyroll Awards have it right when they uh, give an award based on best girl or best guy in terms of just the character, not necessarily the actor or actress who plays them? Well, I think the VTubers would have something to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think we got time got time for another bullet i'd say we we're almost out of time no, are, are we gonna talk about uh, the next miyazaki well he well the next miyazaki is going to miyazaki's current uh current distributor at least some of the older stuff g kids announced on a twitter uh on a twitter tweet Sounds so redundant. It's interesting because it was kind of leaked before that, but they finally, this was the official announcement this week about Makoto Shinkai, right? Yeah, they, uh, G Kids announced that they picked up some, uh, four, four of Makoto Shinkai's earlier works Voices of a Distant Star, Placed Promise in Our Early Days, Five Centimeters, and Children Who Chase Lost Voices. So basically taking those four titles out of, limbo or what's the term we use they were basically uh expired and i guess they decided to go with g kids because all of them were at one point with adv sentai except for five centimeters who went to crunchyroll and then they distributed through bandai and then through discotech but all of them have went out now there are two makoto shinkai ones they don't have it'll be interesting to see if they get so one is Garden of Words, which Sentai still has, and it's still out on Blu-ray from them and on their streaming site, uh, High Dive. And then the other one from, I guess, Funimation, Crunchyroll, whatever you want to call them now, is Your Name, and they still have that. So it'll be interesting to see if they get those at some point. But supposedly, I guess we'll see these out from Blu-ray DVD packs from G-Kids later in the year, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, they give us because remember voices of a distant star is kind of when he was more indie so that's shorter and i know adv at one point put voices of a distant star and place promised in our earlier years together so who knows maybe they'll do a pack with that and then do five centimeters and children who chase lost voices as separate ones and five centimeters i know people want to know will we get both dubs you think i i could see foresee a box of some sort in all of this, but you foresee it still being kind of separated into some degree. You don't think like you don't foresee a like a, a four pack here, kind of like Hosoda. With, well, uh, I know with their- they did special releases for that through Funimation, right, and things like that. But I remember you're right; they did like one of certain uh, things of his movies, like his disc- discography, as they like to call it. But I'm not sure. I guess you could do it if you could say it's his early uh, works, right? So I guess you could say the early works of uh, of yeah. uh, his uh, of him of uh, Makoto Shinkai, and then put them all together in one thing like that, because it all kind of is all his early work, and all of them are before um, he did uh, Garden of Words. Your name, and then of course weathering with you, which they have, and then of course he has another new movie coming on Japan later this year. So I guess you could call yeah, it, it Makoto Shinkai's early works and probably put them together. But it'd be interesting to see what price point you put on that. I would be, I for one could be willing to pay that. And but it does have me also thinking about 
Well, you mentioned Makoto Shinkai's next work, and you kind of brought it up yourself. The other interesting thing thinking about, too, since we talked about theaters, too, Mike, is remember how um, G-Kids, they always like to celebrate the films and the movies and stuff like that in the theaters and stuff like that. And they've done that with the Ghibli films, unlike uh, what Disney did. I wonder if they were thinking of it, if we get these uh, Makoto Shinkai things, maybe they'll do some more celebrations of his work and maybe do uh, a film event uh, like they've done with the Ghibli films and say, here's a few Makoto Shinkai films or works you can see on the big screen. You know what I mean? Mo, keep up with that. I know you have a membership. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's an intriguing possibility. You could see something like that happening at like, Tiff Lightbox. Yes or no? They have done like uh, things over there and stuff like that. And they've mm-hmm. done it, uh, the Ghibli ones, they've done through Cineplex and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised that they do it through Cineplex or in the States, maybe AMC or one of the other theater chains, right? So, Well, yeah. Do the others have some thoughts? Mo, Kevin, Jeff? Like... I'll just uh, start by saying for myself, remember, in the early days of version two, Makoto Shinkai was a regular topic around this table for lack of better ideas. But uh, (laughs) it was always a fascinating subject to me anyway. So this is just another in another layer to all of that. But what about you three? You guys have a thought on all of this or just? eh? Yeah, I don't have really any any input on this. Mo, Jeff, or you'll just nod your head and say, or Mo, you'll just nod your head and say, I'll look to see if they do a festival. I'll look to see if they do a festival. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> and it would be a good tie in for the new movie, too, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that there, there, there's an, there could be an implication as to what becomes of the, who ends up with them with Shinkai's next movie. I'm so sure. I think it's a likely scenario I could see G Kids because. They've made that headway with him. They've made the headway uh, with Hasoda, right? With getting his more recent movies. And I think some of them, they like the idea that G-Kids is taking them out into the theaters. They're taking them to the festivals. They're really promoting them and the creators, right? And they are going after, like, putting them in for the Oscars and trying to get them that recognition, even as, if, as Jeff said, it's hard to beat uh, Disney, right? They just got away for a year when they're making a new Cars movie. That's their only realistic shot. Oh, boy. Considering all the stuff that's running, uh, I see at work these days on the, on the uh, TV that uh, we put on. So I remember from, you know, the very early days of the podcast um, when... You know, it's reasonable to assume that Kevin and I were the audience that you refer to many times. And I I remember Makoto Shinkai being brought up so many times, and specifically five centimeters per second. I don't think I saw a Makoto Shinkai movie until your name. Um, I'm mm. sure some of these are good. Sure, they I've heard good things about five centimeters per second. The song was good. Um, but yeah, um, I don't give me a soda any day. <laughs> I will <laughs> say, I will say, like, okay, now I'm going to start sounding like a bit of a broken record <laughs> as somebody who watched 
like my memories. Of course, the early works had a degree of, you know, rough around the edges feel to it. And 5CM, like as each movie went, when you went from Voices to Place Promise to 5CM, they ended up getting more and more and more polished. And there was this feeling inside, I like at the, like when 5CM came out to me, that was the best one to had yet come. And I, and then, and then, and then I dropped away from keeping up with things. And that's when the podcast went into purgatory. It's still arguably his best one. Well, and I guess that's a debate for another time. But then, you know, there's that period when I wasn't totally keeping up. And then I returned just as your name really started to become popular. And there was a big difference between five centimeters and your name there. And I knew, know though about work, the other works existing. And I have actually copies of them sitting well somewhere here, whether it's uh, up here or down there. That reminds me, I really need to go buy the foot finish movie. I've always been putting that uh, off. Garden of Woods is uh, at a good price. So it's uh, easy enough to find. I would think and it was, it was short. And it was more like the earlier works because it was a shorter work, but it was definitely a Makoto Shinkai movie. All the aspects were there. And mm-hmm. it's interesting thinking back to what Mike said, Makoto Shinkai, um, your name really brought him to the public forefront. Uh, Weathering with you was another, I think, mainstream success in Japan and overseas and stuff like that. So it would make sense actually with those earlier works. As Mike was saying, maybe it does make more sense to package them together and say, hey, I remember your name and weathering with you. Maybe I'll check out his earlier works and give them uh, a broader spectrum uh, online and in physical media. And then maybe, as we say, even take them to the theaters and stuff like that and see if some people uh, want to do an event like Ghibli and that. Because the Ghibli events in the theaters have done well. So people don't mind going to the theaters, right? My point being is there's this since I didn't keep up and other works came out, I want to see the, how, the, how we progressed in those almost 10 years. I didn't keep up. But Mike, you say you have these DVDs and Blu-rays. You could do this tomorrow if you wanted to. I, have to, I admit I'd have to do some digging though. Lots uh, of digging. I have mine at hand if you need help. Well, no, maybe just some company to help me, uh, help me go through the, uh, the archive down there. Just say the word, and, Mike. And, yes, I know. And if uh, if there's a if there's anybody who likes making YouTube videos out there who would be interested in uh, shooting this and helping us with this, anime roundtable at gmail dot com or at anime roundtable. I'll I'll take some messages. Are you saying like we're going to go through all these piles and then we're going to find <laughs> stadium <laughs> events and then we're going to become like play, rich people? Play. No, we're we're gonna play. We're, we could we could play, we could play. Uh, what's the word? What's that show again? Oh, is it um, Storage Wars or something? Yeah, we, we could play Storage Wars for 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 one locker. <laughs> and then it's like completely empty, and it's yeah. like I I don't know if I want to get this locker. It's completely empty, but there could be something under the floor. Oh yeah, one of those, <laughs> or in that drawer, which. Anyway, in the, in the case, right? And then it's like there's no Blu-ray in there or DVD. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. 
Yep. Have you seen Bell yet? Uh, nope. The good oh, thing, Jeff, okay. is Bell is coming out on physical and then digital in May, so we're getting close. Oh, so good. we'll be able to see it in May and no problems there. So I think uh, we won't be spoiled. We'll be okay. Uh, still, I, I want to talk you... about Bell. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but me and Jeff probably are going to be spoiled. <laughs> hey, give me a thought. Uh, well, what do you want to say about Bell? Or uh, Let me know in well, the chat when you... things come back. My headphones are going off. Okay, no, don't worry about it. We'll... um. But let's come back to that because we're we're running a little later than I thought. Yeah, are we not going to talk about that that magical rock that was found a couple weeks ago? Oh yeah, magical rock. Okay. Don't you Mode know that Japan's going to end? A demon's going to come out and kill them all. Okay, put this up. Put this up. I I, I remember this. So yeah. The, okay, can can somebody give the? It's they refer to it as the killing stone. Right. Give me a Cole's notes version of this, because um, I only read like the most barest of bare bones version of this. Can can somebody here try to explain it in a minute or so? It's it's it sounds it just sounds funny to me, but I don't know how how to explain this. There's an evil spirit trapped inside. The stone. So, what happens if the stone is broken? I mean, I, I think the Power Rangers had it had it done pro- proper. You know, after ten thousand years, she's free. It's time to conquer Earth. Come on, guys. <laughs> that says well. There've been a lot of things around uh, the world. Even I know in New Brunswick, like the flower pot uh, mountain, that it's like they've just been either water or natural events have just been wearing them down or taking them off and stuff like that. So I think that's what happened here, but there was a legend behind it. So I think some people are a little worried if they believe in that. Interesting story. I, I, I'm kind of speechless looking at it though. Just reading, just reading some of these uh, notes on it. It's a whole, it's a, it's a hilarious story though. Cause, cause there's so much talk about stones and moss and yeah. Looks like it was just water damage. I mean, just water. <laughs> but um, that I mean, it just kind of the basically it rain just ate away at it, I guess, and it just became brittle enough, just enough. Water is super effective against rock. We all yeah. learned this in 1998. I'm surprised if they were that concerned, they put a plaque and everything so people could visit that that they didn't kind of protect it just to be on the safe side, right? Uh. Well, like, it's, you know, Mother Nature always does win out in these type of things. Although it's like different parts of yeah, Mother Nature. I, I guess, I guess now they'll have to change the side and say, the spirit has now escaped and could be in oh, your home. <laughs> could be in so, your home at you this moment. You think uh, tourist attraction or cursed area? That's my both, that's I That's guess. what I'm thinking, wondering. <laughs> huh? Yes? I said both, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that's the that's the correct answer, I guess. Well, uh, those are the headlines that caught our attention. In brief, before we go, a couple more things to to mention. Um, community calendar. Okay, what is Discotech up to this Monday? Uh Discotech. they're doing a Twitch stream at nine p.m. tomorrow, which is Monday, March thirteenth. And uh, Wait, uh, so no, March, Monday, March 13th, Monday, March 14th. 
Yeah. I obviously us going an hour ahead this weekend is making think we're going further into the future than I believe. So that's not a good thing. But Monday, March 14th, uh, Discotech at 9 p.m. Eastern is going to do one of their streams on Twitch. And obviously mm-hmm. they're going to have announcements for new titles and give an update on things they're already working on and stuff like that. So I'm sure it'll be very fun because it sounds like the usual crew uh, is there. Justin Savakas, Mike Tool, and all the others, right? Brady. Yeah. Okay. It's... It's foolhardy to ask how many times Canada will be brought up in the chat. I'm sure so, when they get to questions, uh, yes, when we'll, they, we'll, we'll have some of the usual questions, right? And the usual answers. It, 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 it's a losing proposition to try and guess how many times it'll be asked. Because usually it's the over. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess... We can ask, we'll, but unfortunately for them, I think it's with uh, Selby and the owner of Discotech. Like they would have more of an idea than the guys on stream would have, because remember they're working on behalf well, that, of that's, and stuff like that's that. The, and that's uh, the that's big the, problem. And, and that's and then, the answer. And that's the tough thing, as Mike said, is like we do ask, we are asking, but there's things that uh, we can only do so much and stuff like that. And obviously they had issues. On the distribution side, they ironed out and stuff like that. Then they've had COVID and stuff like that. So hopefully they're going to work towards that in the coming year or find a way maybe to get it even on Amazon or something like that. But even if they get it into something like um, Suncoast, right, which has taken over a lot of those HMD, HMV locations and things like that, I have to be – Oh, Sunrise. Sunrise. Wow. This is long gone too. So I, I, I love when you go into something – and you're thinking of another name, and you should be thinking. But yeah, Sunrise took over, and they even took over HMV uh, in the UK. But I happened to be in a location for Sunrise, and they had their anime section. I looked at it, and to say the least, the prices were uh, a bit higher, and some of it was because of the dollar. So I'd be scared to see they could get it in, but it'll be interesting to see if they can sell it, because it still would be a bit higher than their regular MSRP that we would get if we import from the States and it's tough. Yeah, it would be. Okay. So there's a discotheque, but I'm sure it'll be fun as always. Right. If you want a fun time. Oh, it's a, yeah. If you want a good time, tune in, tune into the discotheque channel on Twitch on Monday. Forgotten classics and uh, some uh, old school anime. Right. But yeah, J novel. So they're doing uh, a Twitch stream as well. But they are doing it uh, on Friday, this coming Friday, and that would be March 18th. And they're going to do it at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for J-Novel. And J-Novel is a light novel uh, publisher. So they said they're going to do some more new announcements. And what they do with a lot of their announcements is they say, hey, we got these new announcements. We're going to put some of the chapters on our site right now. Because remember, they are a subscription service. So they start putting their novels on the subscription service online to start reading, and then they put them up every week as they go through the chapters, and then they stop at a volume, then they come back to the next volume when they get to it. Different uh, titles have uh, different times when they go to the next volume. And then if they're popular enough, as we've seen with some of the manga and the light novels, they put them out physically. So they might talk about some physical stuff too, and maybe we'll hear some stuff from Katakawa coming to them since Katakawa bought a bit of them well this one this one could be a little bit more intriguing because we don't hear this type of stuff 
Yeah, I think this is one of their first ones uh, they've done. Like, they've announced through regular conventions and online conventions and things like that. And they've done it through Twitter and things like that. But this is the first one where they've done a streaming format through their own Twitter. So that'll be interesting. Or not Twitter, Twitch. <laughs> well, those are two things to look forward to. And I guess we'll, um, I guess next time we, uh, we, t- we gather around this table, we'll, uh, talk a little bit about what caught our attention from both those presentations. Right, guys? Yeah, it's kind of interesting how a lot of them are going for that model, right? It's kind of traces back to the video game model, like kind of like the Nintendo Directs and even Sony's doing it with the state of plays. They had one last week, and it was a fun one to watch, uh, having some tiles from Japan, including the one everyone was surprised about, which was the Turtles Are Back in the Kawabunga Collection, and Konami's bringing those classics back with Digital Eclipse mm-hmm. uh, later this year. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, you know what, in the video game stuff, that, that state of play would, it would be another interesting discussion. We're just so, we've just used so much time already tonight. James, hold me to it. I got uh, some time. Uh, we got to do that. We got to come back to the live stream and we'll talk and I'll do a run of some sort on the PS5. And maybe we can talk a bit about what we, was observed there let's try and do something like that this week okay they're gonna show me the power huh the power of the ps well, i'll show I'll, yeah i'll try and show you what, <laughs> so yeah and then the real question we have to ask you even though we know it wouldn't be resolution because i don't think you had the 4k tv it probably would be frame rate right so you're doing it uh, in that one mode where it uh, prioritizes uh, frame rate well i don't know what like i just put some i just plug and play dude <laughs> You'll see, you'll see, um, uh, hopefully we'll all, everyone, you guys will get a chance to see what it kind of looks like, but it'll, uh, probably go lagrific on us in some form anyway. Okay. Before, now before at the end of the uh, episode, a couple of reflective moments. Um, okay, let's go, let's go on the technical side first. We're going to ask the listeners just to bear with us for a couple days. We, the podcast provider, the podcast host by which this podcast, the audio episodes are kept on, will change sometime in the coming week. We're going to change uh, away from, from SoundCloud, which we've been using since the version two era began. And we archive the entire version one on SoundCloud as well. We're going to move it all over. We have yet to decide which host it will be, but. It'll happen sometime within the coming week. We hope it'll be a little bit seamless. And we hope that people will enjoy what those changes will bring. And it's uh, probably an appropriate way to mark the 16th anniversary of this podcast. We didn't mention it last week, but March 3rd, you know, we, we've done this on and off since... 2006. March 3rd marked the 16th anniversary of when James, myself, and Neil Sinclair sat around a table at York University's Bethune College and taped the very first episode just as an experiment. And we've been going on and off ever since, save for that that long period between 2009 to 2018, I guess. But yeah, it's been quite the ride, a ride that admittedly 
we or I decided to get off of for some years, but glad I kind of came back to and came back to a world, an anime world in North America that was very different from the one I stopped keeping up with almost a decade before. And I've taken all ha- taken some fascination, had a lot of fun with watching the changes that have happened, or at least seeing what has changed since I decided to step back into doing this. So, you know, cheers to 16 years of um, 16 years since we started do- trying this, not albeit not continuously. And I can't wait to see how much more we can do this. So the, that's what, uh, that's what, you know, this week will uh, mean. It's uh, kind of the next step in the evolution of the anime roundtable. And I guess on a further reflective note, today is March 12th. Yesterday marked the 11th anniversary, March 11th, of course of the Great East Japan earthquake and tsunami and the nuclear disaster, the triple, uh, the triple disasters that happened back, back in, um, 2011. Um, there isn't, I don't know what you guys want to say about it. I don't want to say too much because one, we've gone way over time for starters. And, Second, if you really, really are interested, we talked about it way already last year around this point, almost a year to the day, uh, episode 37 of version two, back on March 13th in 2021. So I, I don't know. They're, they're, so I, I personally just don't have anything to add to that at the moment, but do you guys want to add anything to just anything I just said? Whether it's uh, commemorating our anniver- the anniversary, some of the changes coming. As you said, uh, they can listen uh, to past episodes. I believe we do have uh, the show notes up uh, for those ones. Even uh, the one last year, I believe we did around the same time, Mike, talking about, I guess, the 10th anniversary and our thoughts. And I think all of them uh, would still stand. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see how uh, it continues in those regions because a lot of them have developed and gotten back on their feet of course Kevin you know it's kind of crazy how uh, we as a collective have been doing this for so long more so you and James and Mohammed and Jeff actually because Jeff was in a couple episodes as well but it's yeah it's kind of nuts to see how like this podcast is still plugging along doing its thing it's not really growing let's be honest but <laughs> it's still standing and just remember if a- someone grabs you in a hall and says hey do you want to help out with someone or talk some anime probably don't do it because you might be in for the long haul i sense regret there james well oh, don't worry I was saying the fun is always in. You never know where life will take you, right? And it was definitely been a ride, right? I think we've enjoyed it, all the different uh, bumps along the way, right? <laughs> no kidding on the bumps. Kevin. Well, you know, I feel like it's, well, because this iteration of the podcast is different in its way because you don't have two individuals derailing the episodes. 
Yeah, I know. I know. We don't derail. That's a good way to put it. That's an honest way to put it. Which I kind of miss. Uh, you know, I really do. And it's, admittedly, I think a lot of people miss hearing from Neil and Adam. Because, I don't know, it, talking about, like, rhino penis or, like, talking about dumb shit, it takes a lot of effort for me to do that. I feel like... Well, the, the, for them, it's effortless. Yeah, like... I feel like if I do that kind of stuff, it feels a little forced. So that's why it, if yeah. I had someone to riff off of, oh, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. But uh, yeah, it, like it, it's it, they make it effortless, and I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that should be funny or just plain disturbing. It's, Mo, it's, uh, Mo it's Jeff, both. yeah, yeah, for sure <laughs> answers. Yeah, Mo Jeff. You, any thoughts, uh, anything you want to add before we go tonight? Just on either of those? Um, I guess, it, well, uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I do think that it's kind of a nice, um, not nice, but it's a great reflection of, um, you know, our reality to have, um, you know, a very somber reflection on the one hand uh, to the uh, disaster, the um, earthquake, tsunami, um, nuclear disaster, and, uh, you know, the podcast anniversary relatively close, um, not the same year. Um, but I think it's it's good that we reflect on both the, the sort of um, tragedy and then the resulting, um, you know, hope and resilience um, that, you know, we saw from Japan and also um, with the podcast that, you know, has, you know, it started, you know, with such a, a place of, you know, with with the both of you, like, let's have fun. Let's uh, talk about this, you know, these these different things that we're interested in. Um, and I know for me um, and and Kevin and even like the more incidental audience members that would um, listen at York um, via Yama and during Anime North. Um, it was a great sense of like, even if the podcast was never reaching a lot of people, it it gave a voice. Like I remember a friend who would, you know, just jump on the mic when he was excited about a topic that you were talking about. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, even if it's not a wide reach, it's still been um, incredibly powerful for um, a lot of a lot of people. Um, I know that you know if I think back to I think the first episode I was on, um, I just kind of you know I was nervous, but I blatantly defended '90s animation against Adam, um, saying that the '90s sucked. I remember um, that. And and that sort of and if I think about like that, I was probably second, third year university or something like that. Um, and, you know, 15 years later, I've apparently become some sort of social justice warlock. Um, so it's, you know, been a shift <laughs> on my end. Um, but I think it's, it's cool. Like there's so much changes. There's so much shift in, in sadness and joy. Um, and I think, you know, it's, you know, overall, like such a, a cool microcosm, macrocosm, whatever, um, of the time that's passed, but still, that sort of foundational interest in, you know, Japanese uh, pop culture, um, pop culture more widely as far as the geek and nerd spectrum. Um, 
and you know again regardless of of reach i think that there is such incredible value there if not for you know a wider group of people at least all of us and the um loyal and non loyal listeners that have come along over the years <laughs> and i'll we'll continue to serve them okay mo do you really have anything to add uh please uh like and subscribe uh, five stars etc cetera, etc cetera, i guess well, we're not there we're not at that point should we watch the batman mo and is that five stars i mean yes it's five stars but i will say this the good thing about the whole pandemic was that now that movies will be coming to your home viewing devices relatively soon so i'm like I don't know, six weeks to be able to watch the Batman. Yeah. Well, now that you brought the, up the pandemic and the final, the, the final reflective note, this week also marked the second uh, two years since this pandemic was declared. So, in many respects, it, it's been a turning point, but in, in just a whole load of different levels. Yeah. So and I guess us doing it uh, virtually instead of. Uh on uh, the actual microphones, which we were always known for. And it's funny because remember a lot of podcasts, even after we went out off the air, were more not in person, but virtual, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, but but we, for a long time insisted on doing it in person and then we were forced not to. And then, well, in the, throughout the, Oh Lord, we've done We've done like 45, some odd, 45, 46 regular episodes, not to mention all the other add-on stuff we've done. They've all been remote. Just a, and that's both, it's, it's cool in one respect, but sad in another too. It's allowed for some really cool special guests, um, or at least more easily facilitated them. Um, And, you know, I'm not sure if you, you know, plan to go, Uh, back to fully in person but it's also you know i think made uh the potential of um an in-person anime north taping um you know perhaps even more special than they used to be assuming they want us back (laughs) after you know like i said there's there's no hand more tasty than the one that feeds you anyway that's all a bunch of thoughts to end the show. In any event, that's it for tonight. Once again, where can you contact us? Anime Roundtable at gmail.com, at Anime Roundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com. And don't forget, we're also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Anime Roundtable and on YouTube. There is more stuff to come, and we're, I'm really hoping it could be this week. And don't forget, once again, as a podcast, to give us a review wherever you're enjoying this, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the like, because reviews, any reviews, but especially good reviews, will help us in said algorithm and hopefully make us visible to other listeners to hopefully stumble upon us. How good should those reviews be, Kevin? Mohammed already said it. Okay. (laughs) We typically do regular podcast episodes every other week, but 
we will always try to add new stuff whenever we can. Regardless, hit the subscribe button on your podcast catcher or YouTube, or hit the follow button on Twitch and, frankly, all the platforms we're on, so you can be notified whenever we add something new there for your enjoyment. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Piko Masaki, which is the title track of her latest album. Check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on her Facebook page at Pico Zen Music. So until next time, thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. And join us again for another edition and another year of the Anime Roundtable. <laughs>